Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Things that God will call you to repent of today. Is there, are there things in your life that God will say, why haven't you repented of that? I want you to change that behavior. Um, and if there are, here, here's the difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation just make you feel bad about your sin. You should stop doing that. You should feel terrible, boo. You know, that's condemnation. You know, condemnation have you feel like I'm not worthy. I don't even want to go be before God. That's Satan brings condemnation, make you feel so bad you just quit. That's never from God. In today's message, Pastor Bill will encourage you by helping to clear up any confusion on the difference between conviction and condemnation. When you make a mistake, you likely know that you made a mistake. When that realization has hit, how do you feel? Do you immediately feel bad and think unkind things about yourself? Or do you realize your mistake and work to make it right? Conviction is when you make a mistake. You know it and you make it right. Condemnation makes you simply feel bad. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 7 as he continues his message, Real Repentance. He didn't ever turn from his sin and have faith in God and repent of, he didn't repent of being a fraud that whole time. He was just sorry for the result of what he did. And ultimately in hopelessness, he went out and hung himself. Um, now, you know, I have to state he opened himself up for demon possession and other things that happened to him, but that was the end result. Now, Peter, Peter had a mega mistake too. He, you know, Judas uh, betrayed the Lord. Judas, Judas, I'm sorry, Judas betrayed the Lord. Peter denied him. Peter, well, again, one of the main disciples. Um, one, one, I mean, you know, he was he was one of the main ones. He denied that he even knew him three times. I don't even know the man. I swear I don't know him. You know, I mean, just adamantly, I don't even know him. And then the, the rooster crowed three times. Now, Peter was sorry, too. I'm sure he was miserable about what happened. But there was a sorrow that led to repentance. There was a different kind of sorrow. Peter was sorry for his sin. Jesus came back to Peter in his resurrected body and, and in the John's gospel and said, hey, you love me? He asked him three times. Gave him three times to make it right. Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. And he, he reinstated Peter. Now, did Peter ever deny the Lord again? No. Nope. He repented. There was, you don't see that behavior anymore. There was a change of behavior. As a matter of fact, as you get in the book of Acts with Pastor Clint is taking us through Sunday nights and Peter baptized in the Holy Spirit under the threat of death. Peter's like, man, we ought to obey God or man. Like, I mean, there's a different kind of boldness. There are times where Peter put it on the line. Like, I'll, we'll, I'll get beat. We'll have to die then. But I'm going to go ahead and continue to preach this message that I'm preaching. So there was a change that took place. And everybody here that's listening, right, in your life, are there things that God will call you to repent of today? Is there, are there things in your life that God will say, why haven't you repented of that? I want you to change that behavior. Um, and if there are, here's, here's the difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation just make you feel bad about your sin. You should stop doing that. You should feel terrible, boo. You know, that's condemnation. You know, condemnation have you feeling like I'm not worthy. I don't even want to go be before God. That's Satan brings condemnation, make you feel so bad you just quit. That's never from God. Um, conviction is different. Conviction causes us to feel about our sin the way God feels. And as you grow in your walk with the Lord, you'll start to things that you your things your flesh loves. Your spirit will be. I hate that sin. I hate doing that. I hate. I hate that thing. I hate the result of it. I hate what it is. I start to feel about my sin the way God feels about my sin. And then I start looking for God to help me repent, repent. 
And that's conviction. Conviction will bring us to a place where we actually repent and overcome and have victory. And so that's what God wants to bring about in our life. God doesn't want, there's no victory for anybody here to walk out feeling bad. I feel really, after hearing that message, I feel real bad about what I've been doing. You know, so I'm just going to go do it again and not come back. You know, like that's not a win. That's not the goal. That's not the victory. Um, the victory is that God wants to work it from the inside out. I want you to realize how that thing is damaging you and how it may be damaging other people, how it brings distance and separation between us, how it conflicts with my will, my purpose, my plan for your life, your body, your mind, your spirit. And, and I want to bring you to a place where you lay it down. You repent of it. You turn away from it so I can have all of your life. And that's that's what God wants to bring about. And so Paul says, look, I, I, once again, verse nine and ten. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance for you were made sorry in a godly manner that you might suffer the loss of nothing, um, the loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted. But the sorrow of this world produces death. And that's an important definition here. Right. Verse 10. Godly sorrow produces repentance. So if I'm sorry in a godly way is going to produce repentance, which leads to salvation and not to be regretted. I won't be regretting the same stuff. So here's an important thing, too, when, when we're proclaiming the message of the gospel. Um, we can tell people, you guys can come however you are. You can come to the Lord in whatever condition you're in. But, but it would be wrong to tell someone, just come and stay that way. Just come, come to the Lord, and then just now you're good. You know, um, part, of when, and, you know part of the preaching of the gospel, we are calling people to repent. We're calling them to, to change. Um, to make a U-turn, to change your whole life. is When you come to God, your whole life, I'm saying, God, I've, I've been the Lord of my own life. Now you're going to be Lord. That requires repentance. That requires a U-turn, a major change of events in my life. I'm no longer in charge. I'm believing that Jesus Christ died for my sins, rose from the grave and wants to live inside me. And I'm inviting him in to be the Lord of my life. I'm surrendering to him. That's going to result in transformation, change, repentance. I'm called to repent out the gate. Um, and then we'll grow in that as you continue to walk with the Lord. You know, God is nice. I think the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, he'll, he'll put a finger on a few things at a time. And, and as you grow and transform and change, and there'll be new things that God put a finger on in our life. And it's a continual process. We're continuing to grow in our relationship with him. But repentance is something out the gate. You're writing notes. Write down Matthew 3, verse 2. And when John the Baptist was preaching, that was his whole message. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand was his message over in Matthew chapter four, verse 17. When Jesus began preaching, he told people to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Turn, turn from your sin and turn to me um, because the, the, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In the early part of the book of Acts, when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, uh, Acts 2.38, he told the people to repent. Um, and Acts 3.19, Peter said, repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. And so that times of refreshing can come from the presence of the Lord. And so um, throughout the New Testament, people are called not just to come and receive, but also to repent and turn. And so we want to we, we want to follow suit. So moving on, uh, verse 10, the last part again, it says, so godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted. But in contrast, the sorrow of this world produces death. And again, I look at um, Judas as a prime example of, of that. Just the, the sorrow of this world, it produced death. It didn't produce life. 
It didn't produce change. It didn't produce transformation. It just produced hopelessness and death in Judas. And so now moving on, verse 11. For we observe this very thing that you sorrow in a godly manner. And so now Paul is acknowledging that having heard back from Titus about them that, hey, you guys have responded in the right way. And this is the fruit of their repentance. For we observe this very thing that you sorrowed in a godly manner. What diligence it produced in you. What clearing of yourselves, what um, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what vindication in all things you prove yourselves to be clear in this matter. And Paul is just going on a rant saying, I acknowledge that you guys have changed. Right. Are there people check this out? Are there people that knew you before you got saved that could look at your life now? And say, man, I've seen, I see these changes. And maybe even people close up. Um, great tests for us, like how we're doing in our walk with the Lord is those closest to us. If you're married, your husband or your wife. Um, if you got kids that are old enough to, to speak their mind, your kids. It's a great place. If you got teenagers, um, you know, you ask them, how am I doing? You know, am, am I living it out? You know, there's. That's a good place to, you know, I, I do that from time to time. I, I put I put it on the table with my kids, uh, my wife, who tell me how it is, you know. Um, these are people that live with you. You know, they, they see you when you're tired. They see you when, you, when you're not in the best of conditions and whatnot. They know how you're doing better than, you know. By the time we see y'all here, y'all done had coffee and breakfast in you and, you know, sang a couple praise songs and got your act together, but... How you how you doing before all that, you know? So other great places to go and say, hey, you know, do, do you see God working in my life? You know, is there things that you would say that I need to change or things that you see that are not right? Um, I encourage you to be open for that. If, if it's your desire to continue to grow and, and change and be transformed. I love that Paul is able to affirm them. I see a difference. I see God moving. I see God working. Um, I had the privilege over my life to see people get saved. And to see them begin to change and, and, and just it be some people just amazing over time, you know, a couple years go by and you're looking at this person and they're, they're almost nothing like what they used to be. You know, um, God has so radically transformed them for good. And so they look the same, but they're they're different. You know, God is working from the inside out. So Paul's acknowledging that there's been transformation. Verse 12. Therefore, although I wrote to you, I did not do it for the sake of him who had done the wrong nor for the sake of him who suffered the wrong, but that our care for you in the sight of God might appear to you. Paul said, when I wrote this letter, I wasn't on any side of any person. I wasn't on the side of anybody that had been done wrong in the Corinthian church. And I wasn't on the side of the people that had done the wrong in the Corinthian church. He says, I was really standing with God. And as a pastor, I care for you guys. And part of caring for you was speaking those truths to you. And that was that was my concern that that I that I would show before God proper pastoral care for you guys. Here's an important thing, too. Right. And I'll, it's a little awkward for me to say it because I am a pastor. I am the a pastor here. But it is important how we respond to those that God has established as spiritual authorities in our lives. Um, some people uh, give respect. They give honor to that. Some people don't. Um, some people can take it or leave it They'll blow it off or whatever. Um, you will be hindered in your walk and in your your progress in God if you can't submit to spiritual leadership. Um, God has called certain people to lead in that way. Um, 
They're held to a certain level of accountability. They're held to a certain standard in God's sight. Um, it's their job to be praying for you and sharing with you what God tells you, what share, what, what share with you. But it's your, it's your job to be uh, receiving of that. And if you can't receive or don't receive those things, you will be hindered in your progress in the Lord. And uh, as I was thinking this through, um, I was thinking through my relationship with my pastor. Um, I, my, I had the same pastor, you know, the church I was at for 12 years before we you know, came out to plant this church. And over 12 years, there were definitely times where we, I had a difference of opinion on things. Um, and I look back and every time, every time I could look back and say, but I submitted. Um, you know, submission only happens when someone tells you to do something you really don't want to do. But when I look back and I say, but I submitted, I can look back at each time I submitted and it, and it worked out for good. Um, there was at one point I had, I was doing high school ministry. We had two services and I had someone doing first service that I liked. I liked him. He was faithful, always there. And, but I had other guys that could teach that I was raising up and my pastor called me and said, Hey, I want you to move the guy that you have right now and, and give one of these other guys a chance. And I'm like, I don't want to move him. <laughs> I like him. He's, he's on time. He's faithful. I can count. I'm like, I, I, everything's great. I don't want to do it, you know? And, but he was, you know, that's what he wanted me to do. And so I remember having to just, okay, you know, um, let me submit. And I had to do it. In, and I had to do it in a way I couldn't go to this guy and say, you know, I'm only, you know, my pastor told me, so I'm doing it, you know? And cause that was his pastor too. So I'm, I had to go and just say, hey, bro, this is what, you know, God is doing right now. We're going to want you to move. And it was difficult to, to do and bring someone else in and raise him up and all those things. But this individual had had a trip planned um, somewhere. It was already planned. He was going to be leaving and going in a couple of weeks. And he went on that trip. And while he was on that trip, got involved with some stuff he shouldn't have got involved in and blah, 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 blah. He came back and, you know, we hooked up and he said, man, I, you know, I got to confess. I did all these different things. And I was like, wow, because if he had still been in that position, then I would have had to I would have had to set him down. And then all the kids would have been like, hey, what happened? Where's he at? You know, and and it would have been all of the drama. But it was like since he was already removed, it, it really saved the kid. I was ministering the teenager and it saved them from all that drama. And I was like, wow, so you know, God was right. There was wisdom in that, even though when I was told to do it, it didn't make any sense at all. And there were other times like that where I was like. Yeah, I don't understand, but all that to say, you know, that we want to we want to be submissive, have a right heart to those that God has placed over us and cultivate those kind of relationships. And if if you're at a weird church with weird leadership, then leave and go somewhere where people pray and they counsel through the word. But if you're somewhere where people love the Lord, pray and counsel through the word and you can't receive, um, then you're you, you're you're going to be stifled and hindered in your ability to grow. So. Um, I, I say all that because I do understand that there are some there are places out there that are weird and people will be telling you to do stuff that you ought not be doing. So um, biblical counsel comes from where the Bible <laughs> So if we got counsel. And it's, it's not in the Bible. It doesn't line up with the Bible. Then, you know, you, you by all means run. That's, that's the, don't don't submit to that. So um, but anyway, so, you know, the Paul had shared with them. They were receiving all that he shared with them. Uh, verse 12. Therefore, although I wrote to you, uh, I did not I did not do it for the sake of him who had. Oh, sorry. Verse 13. Therefore, we have been comforted by in your comfort and we rejoice exceedingly more for the joy of Titus because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. 
For if in anything I have boasted to him about you, I am not ashamed. But as we spoke all things to you in truth, even so our boasting to Titus was found true. And this is cool. Paul is saying, look, um, he's able to tell the Corinthians, I, I bragged on you guys. And all the stuff I said good about you guys, I, 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 I stand by it. Um, he says, I'm not ashamed of, of all the things. That I, he, says, he says, if anything I have boasted to him about you, I'm not ashamed. Anybody ever boasted on somebody and then been, been ashamed? You know, they showed up and you're like, man, they, didn't, they just didn't do good. They didn't do like I said, you know, uh, some of y'all, I know some people got kids they're like, oh, my kid, you know, they do this thing. They, they you know, sing or whatever. And you bring them in front of people. They're like, oh, I knew it. <laughs> this, this let you down bad. You know, you didn't brag on them and now they don't they don't show up. You know, um, Paul says, look, if, if anything I boasted in you guys, I'm not ashamed. I stand by it all. I'm not ashamed. Says, but as we spoke all things to you in truth. Even so, our boasting to Titus was found true. Now, here's something else, too. With all that was wrong with the Corinthian church, Paul found good things to speak to Titus about, to speak to Titus about them. And um, as much as if anybody here has ever had somebody talk bad about you behind your back, if you catch wind of it, how you feel about that? Bad. Don't feel good. But check this out. Anybody ever caught wind of someone talking about you behind your back and then heard it was all good? How's that feel? Edifying, encouraging. So look, so we should make it a habit, right? If you take enough time, even in someone whose life is flawed in this area, but there's a positive there somewhere. And if you make that your, you know, if someone's name comes up, if that becomes just your way of, you know, what can I say positive about them? You know, what's what's a positive attitude, positive attribute? What is what's they got? They're failing over here. Where are they succeeding at? I'm going to speak those things about them behind their back. Maybe to their face. I'll tell them the other stuff. But behind their back, I'm going to say these other things. I'm going to point those things out. Um, and and, and then, then whatever you left out there, when, I, when you talk about people behind their back, if it ever comes around the pike, oh, Bill was talking about you, man. He said. You know, hopefully it's positive. Hope it's going to be something that, oh, I, I encourage Mark. He said that? For real? You know, um, <laughs> you know, hopefully it's not going to be like, he said that? Well, I was, give, me, give me his number. I want to have a call. I want to have a conversation right now, you know. For you guys that like to talk about people behind their back, it's okay. It's okay to talk about people behind their back. As long as what you're saying is edifying, positive. If not, you need to zip the lip. Amen? A holy lip zip. All right. Last couple verses, 15 and 16, he says, and his affections are greater for you as he remembers the obedience of you all, how with fear and trembling you received him. Therefore, I rejoice that I have com that, therefore, I rejoice that I have confidence in you in everything. And as it wraps up, though Paul had this letter of correction and all these things, Paul says, man, I've got word back from Titus that you guys are doing great. You guys have repented in a godly way and. You know, you guys received Titus. I'm comforted in how you treated him. And it, as he ends the whole section here, he says, therefore, I rejoice that I have confidence in you in everything. I, I, he says, I, I know that you guys are going to make it. I have confidence in you in everything that you guys are everything that God is saying. You guys are going to get there. Um, and it's a really beautiful thing that the Corinthians have gone from being, you know, within all the letters written in the New Testament. This this is the worst church by far. Um, but but now you're looking at everything kind of move upward and it's a demonstration of a couple things. One, God's ability to totally transform people. 
uh, from the inside out. It takes time. It may take some pastoral care. It may take some some biblical teaching. It may take some confrontation. It may take some ugly conversations. But God's able to totally transform people from whatever they were. We need to to hold that hope in us that, that we would never look at a person and write them off. That we would never look at someone, that we wouldn't look at a group like the Corinthians that, you know, one guy was sleeping with his dad's wife and they were getting drunk at the communion table and overeating at the love feast and, you know, taking each other to court. And that we wouldn't look at someone that messed up and like, hey, they're hopeless. But that we would look and say, well, let me give the corrections and see what God does. Let me speak truth to them and see how they respond. Um, believing in God's ability to totally transform as he did in their lives. And then um, for all of us that we would look at what repentance looks like. And if there's any areas in our lives that we have need of repentance, that we would take heed. If there are areas in your life where you need to change direction, um, that today would be the day um, that you wouldn't hear a message and be made aware. um, But that if there's areas where you need to repent, then let today be the day. Don't continue on in failure. Don't continue on um, being being, you know, dominated by some area of the flesh. Um, Give that thing up. And how do we repent? What do do we do? What steps do we take? Um, I would say step one, you do want to confess to God. Um, First, I want to be forgiven. Right. So God, forgive me. First John 1, 9, we said it earlier. Confess your sins to God. He's faithful and just. Forgive you and cleanse you. God, I confess it. But don't stop there. A lot of people stop at confession. And I'm telling you, that's not enough. Uh, If you write notes, write down Proverbs 28, 13. And Proverbs 28, 13 says this, says he who covers his sins will not prosper. He won't be blessed in what he does. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. (laughs) Confess them and forsake. Forsaken is turning away, making a U-turn. God says whoever confesses and forsakes will have mercy. God will have mercy on you. Uh, God wants to bestow mercy upon you, but you got to confess and repent. You got to confess and forsake it. So, um, you know, we confess to be forgiven from God, uh, but then it's our job to forsake. And that may look different depending on what your sins are. Right. Um, if it's some something, if, if your sins are something you do with somebody, you might need to get rid of somebody so you can stop sinning that way. If your sins are something that you do with, you know, uh, this drugs, you might need to get rid of your paraphernalia and, and your people that you do it with and get it from and all that. It looks different for everybody. But repentance takes action. There'll be actions that you take to get away from it. And it might mean getting away from certain people. It might mean changing, you know, your, your, your daily habit, your daily routine. Um, but this, here's the upside to repentance. God will help you. God's in this with you. So Repentance, though God commands it of us, as we step out to do it, I got to make up my mind. God will give me the strength. Uh, But if you never make up your mind and start moving in a direction to repent and you're looking for God to zap you, it ain't going to never happen that way. Repentance is something you're going to do by your choice, but God will supply you the power to walk it out. And so um, I do want to encourage anybody here that that's your need, that today would be a day for you to, to make the turn to repent. And for some of you, you need to repent of attitudes, of ways of thinking, certain behaviors, anything in our life that doesn't line up with God's word, Christ's heart, we need to repent of. And so here's the cool thing. Repentance, as I'm turning away from the sin, I'm turning towards God and I'm walking towards him. That's the whole goal. I've been moving in the wrong direction. As I turn away from that thing, that's taking me further and further away from the Lord. And I turn back 
coming back to the Lord. I want to get closer to the Lord and more intimate with the Lord. So, um, and that's where Paul, I mean, sorry, Peter said in Acts 3.19, as we, you know, repent that our sins are blotted out. And he says, and then times of refreshing can come. Thanks for joining us here on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. This letter was written by Paul to the Corinthians sometime after he had lived in Corinth. He had an intimate knowledge of the church there. So Paul felt led to write another letter to these people, expressing some personal things that he learned on his journey and in his ministry. It would seem that some in the Corinthian church criticized Paul's leadership, and so he found it necessary to defend himself to this church. Communicating this type of message is something that's beneficial at times when you feel misunderstood or misrepresented. Any one of us can face those situations at times too, and so discussing it with the other party is useful. We're so glad you tuned into A Transforming Word, and we'd love to meet you. If you're in the Inglewood area, come join us this weekend for church. We meet at Calvary Inglewood every Sunday and Wednesday, and you can get more information on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. You can always call or text us, too, for more information, 310-245-4811. Again, that's 310-245-4811. If you're looking for more resources or ways to connect with us, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just look for the links on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. That's all we have time for today. Join us next time for another edition of A Transforming Word.